Hey, hey, welcome in to another episode of Stub Me Down. My name is JW, and as usual, I am here with my best friend Skinny, who I think really beginning this weekend has started his shift into summer Skinny. Beers at the pool, being outside all the time, and generally enjoying every minute of life. Skinny, say hello to the people, my friend. What's up, everybody? Uh, I hope you guys are sucking the marrow out of the summer. I have already begun. My belly is feeling it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, just being with the kids and, and going to the pool. Although we have, you know, a cicada infestation that right now, at the moment we're recording this, is completely out of control. I posted a video, Skinny, on our Twitter account, stub underscore me underscore down, where I was standing just up the street a little bit from my house in between two sections of woods, and I recorded about 10 seconds of the sound of the cicadas. Man, it is unbelievable how loud they are especially if you're in the wooded area. But hey, man, it's nature's music, right? They only come around every 17 years and you deal with it. And I I feel really bad that I've killed a lot of them with my car (laughs) over the last week or two weeks or so. But it is one of those kind of cool spectacles of nature and it'll all be over soon. And who knows, Skinny, where we'll be in 17 years when the cicadas return I mean, shit, you'll be like 70. <laughs> That's so messed up. I just had this conversation with my youngest daughter today. I'll be 67. Thank you very much. <laughs> I had a similar conversation with my oldest daughter who just turned 17 and we were talking and I said, think about it this way, Ashlyn. When the cicadas return, you'll be 34. And she was like, horrified that she eventually is going to become an adult, as am I, but uh, I digress. So we are here. This is episode five of season two of Stub Me Down. We have had a lot of fun up to this point. Today will be no different. I'm really excited for today's show. So Skinny is going to be stubbing me down on today's episode. In our last episode I stubbed Skinny down on a Trey Anastasio band show from June 22nd, 2002 at Meriwether Post Pavilion. We recorded that episode just a couple days after the passing of Tony Marcalis. So it felt maybe a little bit cathartic to talk about that show, to listen to, and I listened to a bunch of the Trey shows from that summer. We had seen three in a row. I went back and listened to all three of those. And just the impact of Tony on that music, how good he was, how much fun we had going to those three shows. And then the music itself from that Meriwether show, the monster money, love and change that clocked in at like 39 minutes. I mean, it was just stupid how how many layers that version had. I also thought it was interesting that that was a seg-free show. There were no segs from one song into another, which for some of us set book nerds, and if you are a set book nerd and you're listening to this, you would probably be like, hmm, after you wrote it down and you looked at it all, there were no segs. And that I thought was an interesting thing to note on the re-listen. And then the other thing that I thought was great timing about that episode is Osiris has the Alive Again podcast that's going to be coming out, which is all about Trey's solo career going back to, I think, 98, 99, when um, he started playing with Tony and some of the other people that are in tab. So I had a lot of fun talking about that show. I know not everybody is into Trey Band, but we are. And it was awesome to go to those shows. And we saw a lot of Trey Band during the, well, that was during the hiatus. And then after the breakup, we've even seen some Trey shows recently. And I love it, man. I'll go see the guy, whatever he's doing. Yeah, I I agree. And I think that like tab moving forward is going to be a really interesting thing. Government Mule lost Alan Woody. They lost like a huge part of their band. Like, what are they going to do moving forward? O'Teal Burbridge. Did I say that right? Burbage? Yeah. Burbage. I think if you just say O'Teal, everybody pretty much knows who he is. <laughs> right? I know. It's so stupid. Like, I, I do that the first day of school, too. I'm like, uh, you know, it's like that old skit, like A.A. Ron. So, I, <laughs> but I'll stick with O'Teal. <laughs> 
I'm interested to see what they're going to do moving forward because I we talked about this as well on episode two that when things happen that are tragic, I mean, life goes on. It's hard to say that. It's hard to do that. Everybody that's faced loss, life goes on. The planet keeps spinning. So I'm interested to see that. Uh, we've seen that. I have. I know you have a couple times in formations of bands that we like to go see. Uh, when they have a huge tragedy of somebody that's involved, we get older. So do the people that we like to see. And it's a tragedy, but hopefully we can move on and, and see what happens with Tab. I know that there are people out there that definitely want to play with Trey. And again, this is not a slight to anything other than saying, I don't even know how to say this. I'm sad that Tony's gone, but I feel like he would want, and Trey probably will, uh, pick up the pieces, which is interesting. We're only a couple weeks from Trey's shows at SPAC. So I think those are just, I think those are just Trey solo. I don't think that's Trey band. I think that's just dude with guitar. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it. What I'm saying, it's dude with guitar, but dude with guitar is probably going to be pouring his heart out for, what is it, two? Is it three nights? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I, yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. Sorry, I misunderstood what you were saying there. No, I'm just saying that I think that will be an element of surprise for the people that are there, where I know that Trey likes to tell stories. I'm sure he's going to tell a lot of Tony stories because um, Saratoga is his adopted hometown, and he's pretty close to that place. I, it'll be interesting to see what he says. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the government mule comparison is a pretty good one. Alan Woody died, I think, in 2000. And if you think about who Warren Haynes pl has played with, right? We talked a little bit about Warren in a couple of episodes, right? We talked about him in season one, episode four, when we when we talked about Phil and Friends. And then we talked about him when we talked about that government mule show from the State Palace Theater in episode nine of season one. A lot of people know who Warren is. A lot of people have played with Warren. After Alan died, he brought in a number of different bassists. I mean, Dave Schools played with them for a while. O'Teal, as you mentioned. Then he had a couple of permanent guys. Andy Hess was with the band for about five years there, 2003 to 2008. And then Hess left the band. Hess was had been the bassist in the Black Crows. And then when he left, uh, Jurgen Carlson came in. And he's been the guy ever since. So Warren, I think they did a bunch of tribute albums for for Alan Woody, and he brought in you know everybody from Gordon to Phil Lesh to Les Claypool right over that time period. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Trey did the same thing and had you know maybe Gordon stop in for a show or two here or there, or maybe some different basis. You know he played with Claypool in Oysterhead, so maybe that'll be something. I, that might be a little bit of a stretch and kind of. Uh, you know, wishful thinking, but I could definitely see a number of people wanting to play with Trey in that role. And then I also consider the fact that Tony was probably a pretty big influence musically for a lot of people that play bass. So I'm sure that there's some people out there that might emulate his style, put their own flair on it, but artists that comes in to replace the person that died they're never going to be that person, right? But they can play that role with a respect to the person that previously held that position and add their own flair to it. And I think we've seen it time and again, certainly the Grateful Dead, no stranger to having to replace you know, a key member of the band multiple times. It's so tragic. Death is inevitable. It's shocking. You know, when Tony died, I was up in Saratoga for a wedding and I, I just was like, holy shit. It was I mean, it was unexpected too. And I think that, you know, it's not like, and maybe he had been and I just wasn't tapped into that news that maybe he hadn't been doing well. But when I got the news, I was like, holy shit. I didn't even, I, I would have never have guessed. And so it was definitely sad. But as you mentioned, you know, we, we, we got to pick up the pieces and the one constant in life is change and loss. Really. Um, everybody deals with it at some point. Trey has too. So I'm sure that he will continue to play the music and he will also continue to honor Tony's role in not only Trey's life as a friend, per, you know, personally, but also on stage and musically and 
And and I think that's appropriate. And and Trey's a very reflective person. Tony's going to live on in Trey Anastasio Band. He's going to live on in songs like Jabu and Sand. And for those that saw him play, definitely left an impact. So R.I.P. Tony, we'll miss you. You know, we'll we'll think about him with reverence when when we hear the shows that he played in. Yeah, man. I mean, that sums that up. I mean, I'm falling over my words all the time, especially when you talk about the loss of somebody. You just always fall over your words. You don't necessarily know what to say. I'm sure that'll happen when I die. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> better be after me, bro. <laughs> Even though you're a little bit older. All right. All right. How about some good news, bro? Fish Tour is on. It is right around the corner. And not only is Fish Tour on, but Stub Me Down is going to be representing on tour. Uh, Megan and I are jumping on in Deer Creek. We're going to hit those three nights. Her birthday is the 7th. So once again, she's getting a birthday show. I will say that it makes things a little bit easier for me on the gift giving side of things. What's better than giving concert tickets and a three-day weekend seeing your favorite band, right? So we'll be there. We're going to be straight through there because we're going to be at Hershey. We're doing two nights. We're actually taking the kids to the second night of Hershey. So that will be their second fish show. So that'll be really cool. And then we're going to be moving on to Atlantic City for the three-night run there, which we'll be crewing up in Atlantic City. That's going to be the shit. Yeah, I'm excited for AC. We're going to AC and Dicks. You're coming to Dicks. So I didn't mean to like jump the gun and start talking about Dicks, but you're talking about going to Deer Creek and Megan's birthday show. And so I'm going to jump in here and say we are super excited for AC. Again, obviously, everybody knows we're supposed to go last year. That was going to be my 50th birthday. So I think I'm reversing time like a superhero, and I'm doing my 50th birthday again. This time it'll be Saturday night in AC. So I get a birthday show too. When we had B-Man on, I specifically remembered saying that I was not going to be celebrating your 50th birthday again. So I'm celebrating your 51st birthday. You can celebrate 50, but the rest of us will be living here in reality land. Well, Back to the Future has been on TNT for like the past six weeks. So... <laughs> I'm going back to the future and I'm going to go to my 50th birthday, which would have been Friday night. So I'm going to treat that Saturday night like Friday night. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for dicks. And also, I'm going out this weekend to Red Rocks to see Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Now, it's not a checklist, it's an experience. I don't want to sit here and say I'm checking Red Rocks off the box. You and I went to Alpine Valley. Uh, we've been to many venues, but I am super pumped. You can say you can say that you are excited to get a Red Rocks box checked because that I've been to Red Rocks. I've walked around the park. I've seen the concert amphitheater, but there was no music playing, and I am dying to see a concert there. So once again, I will be very jealous of a concert experience that you are partaking in that I am not. Well, hopefully while I'm there, I'll do a little bit of handing out a bunch of those stickers that we have and meeting cool people. I mean, I saw Big Head Todd and the Monsters in Fells Point, Baltimore in 1990. I remember sitting like, I wasn't even sitting, I mean, we were in a bar. Maxis used to have music uh, for those of you that are local. And I mean, right there, it's loud as hell. Where the front bar is now is actually where the stage was. It was crazy. Saw a bunch of bands uh, live, Hootie and the Blowfish. I mean, this is all early 90s stuff. Yeah, I'm excited to see them. I'm just excited to be in the venue with live music playing. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely post a couple of pictures on Instagram and, and we'll be talking, I'm sure. But can't wait for Dix either, because Dix is going to be a lot of fun because we had that under our belt for last year. And I'm just going to say I'm so grateful we are going anywhere this summer, considering what happened last year. It's it's, it's a different time, bro. It's a different time. Well, we're definitely going to make up for lost time. When the summer tour was initially announced, That the only thing that Megan and I had confirmed was Hershey and... AC and Hershey was actually not confirmed because they canceled the original two shows and then rescheduled them to Hershey Stadium instead of the arena. So we still had to get those tickets. We had the AC package. After we 
her, after I heard that interview with Trey where he was like, eh, I think something might happen, but I can't say what I got the deer Creek tickets. And then after that, I made the move for the Dick's tickets and I put in for Vegas. And I mean, when they want to make it rain, they make it fucking poor because just the other day they announced that they are going to be playing four nights in Mexico at the end of February in 2022. So I don't want to add up any of these numbers because it is a frightening amount of money. And if you are somebody that has followed fish for a long time, I'm sure at some point you have thought, man, maybe I should add up all of the dollars I've spent seeing this band. And then you probably were like, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> this is one of those years. If we end up seeing all these shows, we're going we're gonna to see like 20 shows this year, dude. Which, All right. And don't talk about Mexico, dude, because I'm not even getting into that. We're trying to go to Disney World next year. Like, dude, we're not going to fucking Mexico. I don't think I'm going to try for Mexico. Um, I'm holding out for another New Year's run in MSG. I got to feed my kids and, you know, maybe they want to go to college in a couple years. I got to, you know, maybe. <laughs> I can take out loans. Got to put a couple bucks aside for that. It's funny. I mean, aside from Fish, and I know we're kind of going on here, but there are a number of other concerts that are on the plan. I bought tickets to see 311. We are maybe going to see Guns N' Roses, who's playing Baltimore Arena. At the end of September, we have Primus tickets. Basically, anybody that's coming in about an hour radius of us, if we can get there, we're going. I can't wait to see you around Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm going to weigh like 150 pounds, and my beard is going to be like down to my knees. Dude, Rip Van Winkle. You're going to sleep until January 28th. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's I'm all all about that Wook life. <laughs> Hashtag Wook life. Well, you know, we do have a show to get into today. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Is that why we're here? Do you want to keep talking or do you want to get into the show? Hey, Skinny, real quick. Stay tuned after today's stub down for a cool opportunity to win some fresh gear courtesy of our friends over at Fan Designs. This is the second of three contests that we're running here on Stub Me Down. So stay tuned to learn about how you can win some fresh gear. This is um, your show. So Skinny's going to be stubbing me down today. So if you are new to Stub Me Down... Where the fuck you been? Either way, if you are new to Stub Me Down, the premise of the show is that over the course of our friendship and even before that, Skinny and I have amassed a number of ticket stubs. We randomly pull a show from those ticket stubs and use that concert as a jumping off point to discuss our love of music, our friendship over the course of the last 21 years, and try to take a look at the music that we've seen from a little bit of a different perspective. So today, Skinny is going to be stubbing me down, which means he's pulled a ticket from his pile. As we said, some of these shows we've been to together, some of them we have not. Skinny likes to pull some ticket stubs from when I was in my tween years because he's significantly older than me. That is not the case today, uh, but I am really excited for today's episode. Skinny, you got anything else before we get into this, my friend? No, nah, man. I mean, I don't know if you people know how long it takes for us to edit all this other shit out, <laughs> but I'm ready. Josh, are you ready for me to stuff you down? Yes, sir. Let's do it. man here it is baker's dozen chocolate night july 28th 2017 night six half a dozen what do you think about that man i loved the baker's dozen the baker's dozen was so fucking awesome fish played 13 nights with no repeats we saw, I saw, I, th I think you saw one or two more than me. I saw six shows out of the 13. This night that you just pulled was my first night of the Baker's Dozen. 
This show does not disappoint. There were some mega highlights for me, and my favorite song was in this show. There were just some epic jams, some fishy components to the show. And I mean, come on, dude, we were in New York City for a three-day weekend. There's not a lot that's better than that. And, you know, I think one thing that's interesting, too, is we usually go to New York in December, January, right? So being in New York City is not really a place you want to spend a lot of time in the summer months. And we're like smack dab in the middle of the summer here. And I remember when the Baker's Dozen was announced, I was like, oh, man, now we got to make all these trips up to the city. But after I was there and went to one show, I was like, this is the greatest thing they've ever done. Right. I mean, you know, MSG is air conditioning. <laughs> like, like, it's not, it wasn't that bad. When they were like, ah, oh, indoor, it's okay. It's not going to be as hot as shit like it is everywhere else. So uh, I was super excited to go up here. I know we say that all the time, but it's totally true. Amy, my wife, she went the weekend before and just like FaceTiming me on the floor of MSG. I'm like, ugh. Like, I just, I, I had so much FOMO. Isn't that what the kids say? Fear of missing out. It is. It is. I had FOMP, fear of missing fish. <laughs> but I knew I was going on the next weekend. I mean, everything about it, you know, we went up to Strawberry Fields on Saturday. All of us were up there, you know, wives, friends. There's so many funny things that happened. You know, we just were hanging out. And then every night... Right before showtime, everybody meets at Mustang Harry's and then gets together. And then we were seeing all these other people that we know kind of that are ancillary. I just was loving being in the city. And I felt that way, too. I wasn't sure. I was like, Ugh, being in the city all that time, it's hot, tall buildings, uh, you know. But we stayed in Koreatown, a small hotel. Amy was down the street. Uh, right across from MSG, not not at the Penn Hotel, <laughs> that scary hotel, not that hotel. I think the hotel. I think it's gone. I think it. I think it closed. <laughs> yeah, they're getting rid of it. Yeah, thank God. And Penzies too. That was sad that Penzies is that it had to close. Just the fact that you're in the city for you know however many days, especially like a weekend run, not like a midweek. And then we also had friends that stayed for the whole 13. I don't know how people did that. Like, that would have killed me. Literally, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast with you if I did all 13. I did less than you. You did six. I did four. Uh, we just happened to go back up for it because I was like, I'm not going to miss this opportunity to go back to the Baker's Dozen. And this was my first night there. You know, rode the train up by myself. So excited to be there. And, you know, once we were in the city, man, it, it was on. And right. Yeah. Let's take a look at the first set here from Fish at Madison Square Garden in New York City, New York. The sixth night of the Baker's Dozen. I think formally skinny, it was double chocolate night. Man, the donut theme. I went to six shows. I didn't get a donut. I don't even think I saw a fucking donut aside from like the inflatable ones that the crowd was throwing around on the floor of the garden. I didn't see a single donut from what is it? Federal Donuts in Philly, I think, was the donut shop that was doing it. And they, some of them sounded really good. But I mean, I read about people that had a donut, but I never had a donut. And a double chocolate donut would have been right in my wheelhouse because I, I like chocolate. I was stoked about this just because it was chocolate night and that's a thing for me. So anyway, let's take a look at the first set. They opened the show with Chocolate Rain, ass-handed, free, way into Undermind, into Oki Pa Ceremony, The Dogs into Destiny Unbound, Divided Sky, Things People Do, and they closed the first set with... One of my faves, kid, you know it, Sand, which was a really nice way to wrap up this first set. They started the show, and we were a little bit late getting into our seats. I think there was a line at the at the beer stand or something like that. And so I heard it from a distance, this chocolate rain. Bro, I had no idea that it was like a YouTube thing from 2007. I watched it 
not long ago for the first time. It's got 130 million views. <laughs> what do people do on the internet, man? <laughs> well, I don't know what it was, but this guy, his voice, I, that's what it was. I think the YouTube video took off because I don't know if it's like who he is or like what he looks like as compared to how he sings. I think he was a young guy at that point, too. But His name is Tay Zonde, and I have no idea who he is or, I mean, I guess, you know, you put something on the internet and hope it hits. Here, here was one of them. And you mentioned that you're not such a big fan of the acapella. So I imagine your first show for the summer, they come out and they do this. And then they drop an ass-handed. You were probably maybe chomping at the bit a little bit for them to play like a real song. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate everything that they do. I like how they bring the nuance. I, I, I've definitely mentioned that before. I just remember my anticipation of like, a chocolate rain. And I'm like... All right, man. That three minutes could have went by any slower. Then they do ass handed. You gotta get your ass like, and I'm getting my ass handed to me because they're not playing what I want. And that's what I always say about them is I know they're doing this to me personally. Get your ass handed to you every day, bro. They are personally doing this to me. <laughs> they play all this BS. And then finally, <laughs> they play a free, which then, of course, unleashed. You know, those first barrels that get dropped, you know, when they play that free, definitely really helped me out. Like, okay, <laughs> now I'm seeing fish. It, it was only like five minutes, bro. Maybe six. <laughs> five minutes when you're on the floor at MSG for Baker's Dozen, when you're waiting, your first show, like, come on, do something. They got into that free. That was a nice free, too. About 11-minute version. I think a pretty standard delivery of free, but free's got that heavy bass line when they do, when Mike gets into the drop, and that will really get the crowd moving, right? We talked about this again with Brian a little bit, that free would be on the... Here's what you need to know if you want to learn, be introduced to fish, right? Free would be one of those songs. And they do have that room in this, too. And trade doesn't really peak this free out, but they definitely get a little bit of a build of excitement. It does kind of unleash the crowd a little bit from that kind of fun, fishy start with the obviously the reference to Chocolate Night and then the ass handed, which the crowd just eats that stuff up. But then the free settles everybody in. They get a nice raging version there. And that goes into way which we get about a five minute version of way a little bit of a rarity skinny. I don't know how many you have seen, but I've only seen a couple and it's only appeared nine times in 3.0. So it really is not something that they bust out very frequently. And in fact, since this version at the Baker's Dozen on night six, they've only played it twice. And those being Vegas in 2018. And then um, it was played the first night of the New Year's run last year on December 28th, 2019. So not a frequent appearance here, kind of a little quirky, again, kind of a fishy tune. You know, I want to weigh your head and the shit that comes out of your razor. And if you, if you play nine times, Ferris Bueller. If you played that song for somebody that didn't know Fish, they would probably look at you like, what the fuck do you listen to? I would agree with them. And I would be like, I don't know why they're playing this after that free. We just had to listen to Chocolate Rain and Ass Handed. And now after the free, you're going to play Away? Give me a break. <laughs> well, after Away, they do get back into a little bit of the groove scene with an undermind that comes in at almost nine minutes. This is a solid 3-0 song. They debuted it when they returned at Hampton. That was the Sunday night show, March 8th, Undermine debuted. And this song has been through a couple of changes, I think, over the time from when it debuted. This version here is really nice, too. And they can definitely jam this out a little bit. I just love the lyrical hijinks from this one, too. And and they can make it rock. This is not a anything to write home about version of it. But Undermind is always pretty well played, and they can do some fun things with it, and it's just a good groove. This is one of my favorites. I don't talk about this song a lot, but when we saw it in Miami, I thought it was one of the best versions I ever saw. 
And so I always appreciate this tune. I like the way that Fish hits the tom-toms on this. There's a lot of interplay between everybody, and it's like a full-on, okay, now they're playing together. I gotta tell you, I, I was probably, you know, I'm on the floor. I, I was a little disappointed until this came out. And I was like, okay, well, maybe they're gonna pick back up here. You know, I, I, I like it. It's got something that, that a lot of their songs don't. So I, I'm attracted to it, obviously. It's got a little plinkoey type of feel to it. Yeah. And then I'm not. <laughs> you don't like you don't like Oki Posse? Here's the thing about the Oki Pa that comes next. They go from Undermine into Oki Pa. Oki Pa is it's like one of those philosophy, like fish philosophy tunes right so the it's kind of the and i won't get into the whole thing if you want to google what the okipa ceremony is you can but basically the band has interpreted it as this opportunity where back when they were much younger they would just lock themselves in a room and jam for hours and hours and hours continuously right and so if you actually listen to after midnight the osiris podcast about big cypress they talk about the midnight set being this kind of okipa ceremony where the band is just going to play all night, right? So Okipa kind of has that historical significance, I think, here. They do not play this a lot. They've only played it one time since the Baker's Dozen, which I believe you were also at that show on October 20th, 2018 at Hampton. I got all these stats of songs that I don't really like. <laughs> yeah. And usually this precedes Susie Greenberg. It did not hear, but Usually an Okipa will drop into a Susie Greenberg and, you know, then it's kind of fun. Here it drops into the dogs, which in our very first episode of Stub Me Down, I think you mentioned you didn't really like that one. Now, I am a dog person. I've grown up with dogs. I have um, had a couple of dogs and actually... The way we spent our pre-show hours on Friday before this show, my wife for my 40th birthday got me a tattoo at Bang Bang Tattoo Studio in New York. Bang Bang is a famous tattoo or whatever. She gave me a tattoo and I got a tattoo of my dog McAllen, McAllen Cosmo, who had passed away the year before. And it's an amazing portrait. And so when they played the dogs, I was totally geeking out because I had this brand new fresh tattoo on my leg of my dog. And I also really like all of the chilling, thrilling, chilling, thrilling sounds stuff that they do when they work that stuff in. I know the dogs is not one of your favorites. Uh, what are you, a cat person? No, it's not that. That has nothing to do with what animal I like. It's not like, I, you know, I like the lizards. You do like your pet cat, though. I like alligators. Yeah, I like your pet cat. <laughs> I mean, it's not that. I like Martian Monster. I'm going to brand Skinny as a as a cat person. He's a dog. Here. I am not. I don't have cats. We have a dog, Bruno. He's a very good boy. <laughs> hey, Bruno. Hey, Bruno. Uh, so, no, it's just... I like the beginning of it when they're like, hur, 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 hur. like I think that shit is funny. The crowd's howling and stuff. Trey jumps right in and just rips into it. So yeah, I mean, they're all together on that. It's just not one of my favorites. The next one though, The Destiny Unbound is one of my favorites. And I love that song because when we were at Super Bowl, I was going to take a pee and I came out and they went, wow, wow. And I love that song. I, I just... That's probably my favorite Mike song, as it were. Uh, I just like the way that he sings that. I love the the bass line to that. It's really solid, and I felt like that was a that was where the night really began was when they played that Destiny. Well, Destiny Unbound is a great tune. Obviously, for a long time, Destiny Unbound was not in fish set lists the first time they played it in like 20 years was at the nassau coliseum on february 28 2003 that's a superb show we've mentioned it before great tweezer it hadn't been played since 1991 when they busted it out in 2003 it's made a much more frequent appearance in 3.0 it's actually been played 18 times uh, this was my third destiny 
And every time I hear this song, Skinny, I can't help but think, is Highway Jill Amy? I don't even know what that means. What the? Maybe. Highway Jill and a dad with Jill. And uh, maybe I am Bill. Maybe that's... <laughs> and you're Bill. Yeah, I mean... You're working on the side of the road and she comes and picks you up and you guys have a journey together. I mean, it. I know you love that song, so I was like, you know, maybe it's a, a little bit of a metaphor about him and his wife. Hey, completely possible. I mean, it's not even a problem for you to say that, which is a complete surprise, by the way, to our listeners. <laughs> like Josh, he does not tell me everything he's gonna say, <laughs> nor do I. Maybe, you know, I mean, I was definitely on a journey when I met her <laughs> and it was not like the best journey. So, I mean, maybe that is why I like that song. There isn't even any more road, you know, and you guys are paving your own path, right? Stop <sighs> me down therapy sessions from GW. <laughs> Leave your nickel on the counter on the way out. So Destiny Unbound, very cool to see. And obviously because it was such a rarity, even though I think it's been played a little bit more, I would still consider it a rarity because it was so infrequently played in 1.0, right? I mean, from 91 to 2000, they didn't play it at all. So for them to play it now, I think is cool. A lot of people, I think, really appreciate that. And I mean... You know, I've seen 140-something shows, and I've only seen three. You know, and it is. It's a fun song. I love Gordon, and it is it is one of my more preferred Gordon tunes for sure. After Destiny Unbound, Skinny, what is it with Divided Sky, man? It keeps making an appearance here on Stub Me Down. We talked about it when we talked about the Greensboro show from March 1st, 2003 with Billy. It was on the episode we did with Brian from Tenants Bias, great version there. But Divided Sky seems to be a frequent occurrence here on the show. Yeah, we've covered it. I, I mean, look, I, <laughs> as I have said previously, Divided Sky is like fish cannon, right? It's most everybody loves Divided Sky. This is a pretty good version. The one thing that really stuck out to me, especially on the re-listen, was around nine minutes. The crowd, this is after Trey's ego pause, the crowd is going bananas as they are winding through the last seven minutes of this. I mean, it was almost a 17-minute version, so they really nailed every piece of it. Very tight played. Divided Skies, for me, don't really tend to go a lot of different places. You know, they might lengthen it a little bit, but it's a pretty standard delivery song. Everybody loves a Divided Sky because it's one of those heavy hitter fish cannon type songs that everybody wants to get a Divided Sky. And if it's in your set list, you're, you're probably thinking you're on the right track. Yeah, and cool. And you can move on. <laughs> there ain't no explaining the things people do, Skinny. I do really like this song. I was at the debut of this song. It was at the man in June of 2016. I think you were there too. I think we were together. I think so too, yeah. But, you know, especially these days, this song really kind of hits me like there ain't no explaining the things people do. And I just kind of like nod my head and I'm like, you know what, Mike? You're right. People are fucking weird and they do weird shit and you're weird and I'm weird. And then they close the set skinny with my heavy hitter and that's sand. And sand for me, when they give it a good placement, open a set, close a set, some sort of elevated position than a mid-set song. I'm going to extra geek out, and this I extra geeked out. It's always a great way for me to end the set. For this particular version, man, about that four-minute mark, Trey is just doing some crazy shit. He, like, plays one note and loops it and then plays a little bit off it, then backs off the loop, then Paige comes in with this airy, haunting synthesizer sound, and, oh, man, I've never met a sand I didn't like, but this one, those four to six, seven-minute mark is just beautiful. I want to listen to it on repeat. Well, it's cool because by that time, you knew they weren't doing any repeats. For our first night there, they're ending this first set with sand. Beauty is a good adjective. It really brings the beauty of fish. It has this drop in I chase all the time. I don't think I'm chasing songs anymore. I, I can't even think off, off the top of my head. Thank you, Miller Lite. But I can't remember 
like what I'm actually chasing. And I, I don't think it's much. Like I would like to hear things maybe a second or a third time, but that's only because of my advanced age. That drop in there, I had listened to it like three or four times today at the pool. And that is it. That's what I'm chasing. I'm more chasing the actual jam internally that they're presenting to us than I am the song, which I was doing with the Grateful Dead when I was a kid. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm chasing what they're playing and how they're playing it and presenting it, especially in the Baker's Dozen. People, if you're listening, go back and listen to that segment. I mean, obviously listen to the whole song, but Take notice that four to seven minute mark is some really, really beautiful stuff. Yeah. And, and you know what? I really like your characterization of what you're chasing, right? You're in a more exclusive club being that you've seen fish over a hundred times. And so you have seen a shitload of music. Right? You've seen rarities, you've seen bust outs, you've seen things they don't play frequently. That idea of chasing a more maybe of a style of play or not maybe a specific song, but a specific jam that you're waiting for them to surprise you. I think that that's a great way to put kind of what you're chasing. I don't really think I have any songs that I'm chasing. And if I do, they're like the super one-offs, right? That they're probably never gonna play again. I am always chasing a sand. I'm always chasing a sand jam. I'm always chasing bathtub gin jam. I think all of us always chase a good tweezer. I've seen three Destiny Unbounds. I wouldn't say I'm chasing Destiny Unbound. But if you saw it again, you'd be like, ah, like I wonder how they're gonna do this one because I remember the one at Super Bowl was a lot different than the one we saw at Baker's Dozen. It's the same song. It's just like how Mike decides he's gonna jam it out. And that's... Sure. You're already characterizing it completely fine. You're doing exactly what I was trying to say. What am I chasing, Nicholas? Like, I've never seen that song before, but I don't know how that would necessarily play out. Well, and the other thing is with chasing specific songs, you, know, you mentioned Nicholas there, obviously that's, that's a rarity. If you go into shows chasing, and they don't play it, like, do you leave disappointed? I mean, I certainly think that maybe that can happen to some people, especially if you kind of get hung up on it a little bit, which is why I'm never like, oh, I really hope they play this or that. There are some things that I always hope they play, as I say frequently on this show and off air and to anybody who will listen. My favorite show was the one I'm at, so if they play something and I happen to be there and they and it is that bust out, it is that Iculus or it is that song that you've been waiting and keep missing. There's for me that for me was Ghost of the Forest. They played it the night after I had been at a show. So they played it the next they played it in Pittsburgh. I had been at the Met. This was in December of 2019. So I missed it by one night, right? So I was like, oh man, I really wanted to hear Fish do that. But I wasn't going in like if they don't play Ghost in the Forest, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be bummed. So it's more trying to hear them play some things. I'm not necessarily checking things off for stats anymore, although I will take a good stat whenever it comes my way. That little piece of sand just opened up a whole conversation between you and I, which goes back again. If you're listening out there, or you really make sense of what we're saying, why do you do it? Why, you know, why are, why are you doing this? I think now it's starting. Well, I'm starting to believe that these, these little components of how they play is really what we're chasing. Yeah, I think the way you said that as far as the way you brought it around to chasing something, not necessarily a song, but chasing a, a style, right? That might be a better way to put it. But even that style, you can't, you know, you wouldn't be able to pin down because you would say, yeah, you're chasing it and it comes through in this sand, but then it could come a completely different song that you might not expect, like maybe a light even something off the cuff, maybe. So I, I, I really feel that that's a great way to put it. Let's quickly take a look back through this set one. Again, we are talking about the Baker's Dozen. This is night six of the Baker's Dozen, July 28th, 2017. They opened the show with Chocolate Rain, a YouTube sensation cover, I guess. I guess it's a cover, right? Uh, I wonder if that guy knows that Fish covered his song. That might be interesting to find out. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate Rain, ass-handed, free way into Undermind, into Okipa Ceremony, The Dogs, into Destiny Unbound, Divided Sky, 
things people do, and they close the first set with sand. So, Skinny, I really like this set. We only had really one deep, involved song, and that was the 17-minute Divided Sky. Sand was almost 12 minutes, so that was a little bit long as well. They really got into that jam. But other than that, everything was kind of neatly packaged here. Highlights for me, the Undermined Free, obviously, is always going to be a pretty good one. Fish staple, the dogs that on this particular day had some extra symbolism for me. Destiny Unbound is always going to be a good one. And then closing the set with sand. So this was one that I really liked, but I know that might not really be the case for you. Yeah, there was just some stuff in there I wasn't really high on. You know, I mean, it's okay. I, I'm not a big fan of Way. It's got a little bit of a dissonant tone for me. They're doing what they're doing, and it's the Baker's Dozen. So listen, I'm happy about being where I am in that space. Yeah, I feel like this the first set for you was kind of herky-jerky, right? Like they would maybe start to build it up with that free, and then they dropped it back with the way. And then they get into the undermined, and then they kind of kill it for you a little bit with Okipa and the dogs. Then they kick it back up with Destiny, Divided Sky, things people do is a little bit of a dial back, and then finish it off with the sand. You know, not that things weren't well played, but the song selection for you and maybe the order of those songs just didn't, it didn't allow you to kind of develop develop that unconscious relationship with the music to start this particular show, which is okay. I mean, it happens. Well, your mind might change when we get to the second set here. Set two opens with Have Mercy, Chalk Dust Torture, You Sexy Thing into Mercury that segs back into You Sexy Thing, into Backwards Down the Number Line, into Rock and Roll, and then they encore the show with Fee and an acapella space oddity David Bowie cover from Ziggy Stardust. So a little bit of a different set here, a little bit more jammy, little bit more exploration in some of these tunes but starting off with have mercy which in itself is a rarity that's a really cool start to the show here and we, we've talked a little bit about that reggae feel and this jumps right in on that yeah i have been a reggae fan all my life i've had the opportunity to go to bob marley's grave in nine mile i've had the opportunity to go to his house to stand inside his recording studio where he cut the last three albums that he did. And the Mighty Diamonds, in case anybody didn't know, is a reggae band that was formed in Kingston, Jamaica in 1969. Lee Scratch Perry, who produced a number of Bob Marley albums, also produced early albums by them. They had 40 albums. I mean, I didn't realize that these guys were so I don't know, what's the word there? When you put out a bunch of stuff, I mean, they just kept- Prolific? Yeah, prolific, yeah, thank you. 40 albums from 1969 to 2012. Who are these guys? Have Mercy is a really great tune. I remember there was a guy standing next to me and I was like, dude, this is that reggae shit. Now you're really gonna see like what's going on. And I, I think I even knew that myself. You know, I'm gonna let the second set take over. And they really did. They have a lot of Motown influence, which you can kind of hear in this song. Also interesting, they had a hit twice. They had a song called Pass the Coochie. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> that was renamed by a band called Musical Youth, who redid it later, I think, in the early 90s. Pass the Duchy. Pass the Duchy on the left-hand side. So they dropped all the drug references and made it kind of like a Macarena tune. Have Mercy sold it for me. I was like, oh, they're going to start doing a little bit of reggae feel here on re-listen I'm, I'm hooked into the second so yeah it's amazing have mercy is another good fish stats song to have under your belt as well because this one was shelved for 335 shows and they busted it out the last time they had played it was sometime in 94 and then they busted it out at camp oswego on july 17th 99 so that was cool that was actually the first time i saw it gonna toot my own horn there that i was at that when they busted it out there when we talked in the last episode about trey anastasio band playing small acts that reggae influence fish does a couple of really cool reggae songs makasupa policeman obviously is the one that everybody's gonna know windora bug which we've talked about on previous episode of stub me down mellow mood mellow mood is another one this have mercy here really surprising to open the set i think set the stage for the monster chalk dust torture that came in the second spot of 
the second set here. And this thing was 24 minutes. For me, this Choctaw Torture is probably one of the best of 3-0. I would put this one and the Magna Ball Choctaw Torture kind of in the fighting for 1-1-A. One and one A. Wait a minute, because I know Famer Time is going to fight you on the It Choctaw. <laughs> Shout out to Famer Time on Twitter, man. He's definitely going to fight you on the it. But I agree, this chalk dust is ridiculous. The delay loop, what Trey does with it, I was on the floor, bro. I mean, I looked up at you a thousand times that whole weekend. You could see me on the floor and I could see you where your seats were, especially when the lights went up. The chalk dust is ridiculous. Okay, here's one for you, Mr. English teacher. Is chalk dust a compound word or is it two words? Chalk dust or is it chalk dust? <laughs> here's one for you. I'm stymied because I don't know. As a fish song title, it's chalk dust. So it's two words, but I've always thought chalk dust. Well, there's chalk and there's dust from the chalk. All right, man. Derail. Derail. Yeah, but no, this chalk dust, really the first 14 minutes or so is just a straight ahead rock gym. Now they peek it out. They take it to kind of the limits of the framework of chalk dust torture. But then around that 14 minute, 1420 mark, they take it towards type two. Paige is on the grand piano and he and Trey are just, Paige's keys, behind Trey or underneath Trey. I don't know how you would accurately describe it. The interplay between the two of them is just spectacular. And then Trey starts to bring it to this peak at around like 20 minutes. They like induced some sort of like, I remember like fist pumping. It was this invigorating jam. You just felt like the roof was going to blow off the garden, man. And Chalk Dust Torture is the song I've seen the most out of any fish song. This is a top version. We're not in the rankings here on Stummy Down, but this is a top version. I mean, to start this second set, after I already had a great time in the first set, to start this second set off with that Have Mercy, and then this 24-minute chalk dust, mind blown. Mind blown. 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 goes. If you're going to rank this chalk to us as a 3.0, this might be high up on the list. I mean, I don't even know what to say about it other than that delay loop. And I agree with you. They were doing call and response. Not like what we talked about with Tab. You know, it's not like da 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 It's yeah. Trey's playing that delay loop and, and really having it rip through the garden. Paige plays off of that. And then they go back to Trey. You know, they know what they're doing. Why do I even have to say that? It's outstanding. This version is outstanding. And I think Trey had some new equipment he was probably playing with there. It sure sounded like it. And it got ambient. And then he brought it right back. They did not go back into the da na 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 They didn't go back into it. It was unfinished. Can't be upset by what you heard on this one. For me, this was a Baker's Dozen highlight, but this was this is also a 3-0 highlight here outside of just these 13 shows, even though I think that this was probably, I wouldn't say one of the best, I would say one of my favorite parts of the Baker's Dozen, and that includes all 13 shows. Well, then they start going. Chick, chick -a -wah, chick -a -wah. There's a wah-wah pedal starts to happen, and so the anticipation after an unfinished chalk dust on the floor is, okay, now what's happening? Well, what's going on? They break down into a You Sexy Thing by the band Hot Chocolate. You know, when I was on the train on the way up, because I, I knew it was double chocolate night, I Google searched the top 100 songs about How appropriate. And I shit you not, this was one of them, but I was like, whatever, because it was hot chocolate. But I never would have been like, dude, they're definitely playing hot because everybody would been like, who the fuck is hot chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> related to chocolate of course yeah has to be right but everybody knows the song right everybody knows you sexy thing right and you know it's probably been played at every wedding that's ever happened sure and various events it's kind of one of those like songs that you know because you've just been alive right and for them to play that not only debut it but took you sexy thing type two i know they jammed the shit out of this thing. They've played it a couple times since. 
this segment of music. When you first start listening to it, you're like, oh, ha, 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 Fish is doing something fishy. They're playing a song. They're they're referencing the donut theme of the night. But then after like four or five minutes, it was like, holy shit, they're going to do something with this. They're not just having fun. And then they took this thing into outer space. It was spectacular. I, that was not something I was expecting when this started because of that fishy factor and what we had already seen earlier in the night and then really earlier in the Baker's Dozen. So when they took this thing deep, it was surprising. And this is something that I listen to pretty regularly because once they get past the the lyrics and they get into the jam, it just, it's mind blowing for this type of a cover. Mike cracks his voice like a 14 year old. Mike was really at, I think the very, he was standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon as far as his range was concerned, trying to sing it. You know, it was still funny and, and he still did a great job, but this is one of those things where you get both of what fish is. You get that silly, we're making fun of ourselves and making fun of everything. And then this, oh yeah, well fuck you. Yeah, we're making fun of everything, but now we're gonna fucking take this thing for a ride. Right, and we can actually play it. I'm looking up top 100 songs about chocolate and they can actually play a cover by Hot Chocolate. It was like, oh, it's just a cover band. Okay, can your band play Hot Chocolate and take it type two? I don't think so. And then to bring it into a Mercury, which was pretty much new. I, I don't know the stats on that. I know you probably have some on that. I do. This is my third Mercury. My first was the year before at Dick's in 2016. This debuted in 2015, but I think has quickly become one of the fan base's favorite six years old, but we'll call it new. The way the song is kind of broken up into the two components, it gives it a lot of opportunity to explore. I really like the lyrics to this one as well. And Fish has played it a number of times and has played it very well. There's some extraordinary versions of this song in its young history. That mid-song theme changed. I remember when I was at Dick's and heard this the first time, we were there with actually 28 Rebounds, who we've mentioned on previous episodes of Stub Me Down. And he was standing behind me. He's a set bookkeeper. And I had not heard Mercury before. And so we're listening to the first part of the song, and then there's that key change, and they do the build in the second half of the song. And I looked at him and I said, now what's this? He said, it's still Mercury. And I was like, oh shit. So that has always stuck with me. I really like that. I like this version. And then when Gordon keys back into the You Sexy Thing bass line, Trey grabs onto it, and then they're back into You Sexy Thing. Right when I thought that this Mercury was gonna go into the nether reaches, they're back into having fun with you sexy thing. It really is, again, another example of that dichotomy of the fishy, silly, dorky part and this raging jam band. I totally know what you mean. I mean, I've seen some good Mercuries too. The one off the top of my head is 2019 in, in the summer at Camden. New Year's Eve when they did it for the gag. The composition of that song is unbelievable now that it's kind of past the early stages and then to take that composition and then bring it down into a sexy thing to end that to seg it in come on first of all nobody's doing that and that whole segment of music just to say that the transition from sexy thing into mercury is type two i think the whole thing is type two in order to fill 13 nights they had to do some covers they ended up playing 61 covers over the course of the baker's dozen so i mean and now look some of those covers are also fish staples right they had to mix in some things and i think that it was really cool that this was one of them they did such a great job with it you know i was just glad to be a part of it yeah, me too. We were raging on the floor. I remember looking at Amy and just being like, I can't believe this. For the first night you're there, I, I just was, I could not believe it. I, I just could not believe it. And then they go back into the rest of the set. Yeah, backwards down the number line comes in after they go back into that you sexy thing. And then they kind of mess around a little bit, go back into Mercury. It's kind of, is it Mercury? Is that, are they still jamming you sexy thing? But then backwards down the number line comes in. This tune is actually a pretty decent jam vehicle. We have seen a few really good number lines 
Trey and Paige really have some beautiful work together around the seven minute mark. It's the first song on Joy. And so there is that kind of sentimentality, I think, that goes along with it. I love Backwards Down the Number Line because I listened to a bunch of great versions back in the day with our great friend Sarah, who lived in Baltimore for a while, lives back up in Boston now. And so this is one of those tunes where whenever that comes on, like I always think of her, that great friend. Love you, Sarah. I hope you're listening. I can't remember hearing like, eh, that's a shitty version of that. <laughs> Very well played. Sometimes it's at the end for the outdoor shed. So like, all right, it's 11 o'clock. You guys got to wrap this shit up. You know, you hear it go down. If you're in the pavilion, you're fine. But if you're out in the lawn, you're like, oh, they turn the sound down. I love the song. This is a good one coming in at nine minutes. There's definitely a little bit of room there. Then they close out the set with rock and roll. It really is a great way to close the show. And I look at both of these sets here, the set one close and the set two close sand and rock and roll. I mean, that's a great way to end both of those sets. And then they, they the encore is pretty cool too. They encore with Fee and then they do an acapella space oddity. So a double encore, very cool. A Fee encore is very, very cool. I've only seen three Fees in 146 shows. That is a pretty crazy number. And then to do Space Oddity, they had done Ziggy Stardust the year before for the Halloween costume. And to hear them do acapella, they do the entire song, the wah, 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 and you know, all of those components. And it's really cool and it is well done. I know Aka, they, you know, this for you, they kind of bookended the show with a couple of acapellas. I'm not a fan of the acapella, which we've already mentioned. And I thought it was interesting shit and they bookended the show with acapella. Somebody out there help me and tell me how many times that's happened. It was another shits and giggle for them to start with Chocolate Rain and then end with Space Oddity. For sure. All right, so just to review the second set of July 28th, 2017, the band opened the second set with Have Mercy. They played a mean 24-minute Chalk Dust Torture. You Sexy Thing into Mercury, back into You Sexy Thing. Backwards down the number line, Rock and Roll closed the second set, and then they encored with Fee, Have a Chocolate Donut and Catch Your Breath, and Space Oddity. So a double encore there, always cool to get more than one at the very end. And a great show, a very cool introduction to our part of the Baker's Dozen. I know it was kind of hit or miss for you in the first set. The second set definitely kicked it up a notch. I feel like a high quality fish show in the midst of a run of high quality fish shows. As far as the Baker's Dozen is concerned, we hadn't done this show yet, this run of shows, and this is the first one we've done. And I think it's a highlight of that entire 13-night run. Yeah, I'm happy with it. So great show. Well, thanks so much for stubbing me down on this one, Skinny. I really enjoyed listening back to this one. Skinny, you got anything else on July 28th, 2017, Chocolate Night at the Baker's Dozen, night six of 13 at Madison Square Garden in New York City? Everybody loves MSJ. What am I going to say? It was an awesome show. Uh, hey, listen, before we go, we always have to mention our partnerships. So our partnership with Fan Design, Scott Mitchell, P-H-A-N-D-E-S-I-G-N-Z. Scott has great shit. And by the way, he's got goose shit. I was even... <laughs> goose shit. You like that? <laughs> so if you're going to a goose show, you might want to check out him. Also, the Lot by Primal Soup, which we've been involved with for a while now. They're one of our first partnerships. But the last guy I'll talk about, which is not a guy, it's a company. It's Jamazon.com. They have amazing hats. They also have other merch. You should check out their company too. We've partnered with them. We love them. We love all our partnerships. And if you need something, hey man, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. You'll see who we're following. You can just back that up. Skinny, I love our partners so much. As I mentioned a little bit earlier on today, Fan Designs has partnered with Stub Me Down for a series of three contests. We did something for episode three. We are going to do something for today's episode, episode five, and then for episode seven. We want to give a shout out to our episode three winner, Tyler C., at Schooled By, and that's Schooled with a K. 
After he listened to episode three, we had Brian Weinstein on from Attendance Bias. Tyler won a really sweet antelope shirt. So Tyler, thanks for participating. And most importantly, thanks for checking us out here on Stub Me Down. The episode five contest is much the same. Find us on social media. You can check us out on Twitter at stub underscore me underscore down. And we are also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. But go to one of those accounts, find the official post for today's episode, and post your favorite comment from today's episode underneath that post or tweet if you are on Twitter. And we will choose our favorite comment from those. And you have the opportunity to win some fresh gear from fan designs. So this is the second opportunity you'll have. There'll be one more opportunity this season for you to win something cool from fan designs. Our great partner, Scott Mitchell over there, really cool that they have offered to do this. Their swag is pretty sweet. So all you got to do is listen, post and win. Please be sure to use hashtag stub me down. We want to make sure we can find all of the posts. If you just put it under each of the official posts on Twitter and Instagram, that will connect you and enter you into the contest. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And again, congratulations to Tyler. Skinny, thanks so much for stubbing me down today, man. I really enjoyed talking about Chocolate Night from the Baker's Dozen, July 28th, 2017 from Madison Square Garden. I can't wait to get back at it. I can't wait to be on tour, man. And we can't wait to see you all on tour. Thank you for checking us out today. We are always forever grateful for our listeners and for those of you that keep checking us out week in and week out. And until then, we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Later, everybody. See you on tour.